Welcome, everyone, to Acts of the Blood God. I am your host today, Chaos Demon Nadia Oxford, and you are all my prey. And I'm here with my dessert, Eric Van Allen. Hi, say hi. I'm in hell. (laughs) (laughs) Hell is for everyone, as the tagline of Diablo 4 says, which we will be talking about today with our very, very special guest, Len. Say hi, please. Hello, hello. I'm I'm not in hell. Well, kind of, but not in the sense of I don't know. There was I was going for a thing there and it just didn't come together. So Well, it's a beautiful day in hell here in Toronto. Like it is really a quintessential spring day, blue skies, lovely breeze. Uh if this is hell, I'll deal with it. It's better than the wildfire smoke, I think. So uh, can't complain. If you like this podcast, which you do because you were listening, please support us at patreon.com forward slash bloodgodpod. So I am hosting because Kat is out for the day again. She went and got uh, cigarettes, as she, uh-huh. she tends to do. <laughs> cigarettes and says she's coming back like my father and she never comes back. Um, <laughs> my father would laugh so hard if I told him, like I say that on the show all the time, by the way. I gotta, I gotta tell him I do that. Uh, we have uh, a whole bunch of stuff that's up. We have, uh, admittedly, a bit of a delay because of Summer Games Mess, which uh, I think we're talking about referring to it as, as Prince Joffrey's Summer Games Mess. <laughs> I love coming up with bad names for that event. But either way, we had a, a, a ton, a ton, ton of content for that. Please go back and listen to it. We had kind of a, a impromptu podcast with, uh, you know, just on, on a Wednesday night. We just got in there and, and you know, just schmoozed. And we, uh, it was a long podcast, so we came up with a lot to talk with, what we saw, what we think would, you know, it means for the future of RPGs, Microsoft, 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 Starfield, Starfield, Starfield. Uh, we also have a brand new field studies on Charlotte Dropouts by our friend Victor E. Hunter. If you want to learn about the, oh shoot, I'm blanking on what it was. It was about Eureka Animos. <laughs> that's right, that's right. About Eureka Animos. And uh, if you want to know all about that, be rest assured that Victor is absolutely ready to tell you because he knows everything. He is a Final Fantasy XIV genius. Don't forget that our Pantheon game currently ongoing is Yume Nikki, which you can join in the game club for that if you are part of the Discord, which you can be part of the Discord for just $1. But if you give us $10, then you can actually listen to the Pantheon episode. Won't that be really cool? If you give us uh, $5, uh, you can indulge in our Korra, our Legend of Korra specials, which are upcoming. Uh, Because of the Summer Games mess, everything was kind of delayed, as I said, and Eric and uh, Kat and everyone who was going to guest on this uh, thing is not really available. But now that things are calming down a bit, uh, we should be seeing some action. Isn't that right, Eric? Yes. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) Good I'm, I'm a Final Fantasy it. 14 dumbass. For every Final Fantasy 14 genius, there is also somewhere in the world a Final Fantasy 14 dumbass, and that's me. So there's a, a great meme I saw once about how like you you get a, two of your friends into Final Fantasy 14, and it always goes that one of them is going to be very serious and have the warrior of light and have a backstory for them. And the other one is going to name their cat boy, like kitty boy tight hole and going to be banned mm-hmm. like three times a month. So <laughs> there's no in between uh, <laughs> kitty boy tight. I do have an elaborate backstory for my warrior. I have one. Okay, I have yeah. one for mine as well. Oh, I was going to say, so there's two of us here with elaborate backstories. So congratulations, Nadia, on your new warrior of light, uh, kitty boy tight hole. Yeah. <laughs> he has a tight hole. That's his warrior. <laughs> That's his backstory. Uh, 
He doesn't have the echo. Uh, he just has a really tight hole. Anyway, we're going to talk uh, about Diablo 4. Uh, Len, that's why we brought you on, also because we love yeah. you. Yeah. Well, thank how you. Have, please, please go ahead and tell us how you've been enjoying. Like, I've just started playing. Uh, I made myself a druid. Why don't you? But you're yeah. you're further ahead than me for sure. Like, uh, why don't you tell us in general how you feel about the game? Yeah. So I've been playing Diablo since the original, like Diablo mm-hmm. one, um, when it was more of like a dungeon crawl, like sort of thing. Um, I'm very conflicted about Diablo four. There are some things I really mm-hmm. like about it and some things I really don't. Um, I was kind of hoping it would be up. It sounds like it's actually not going to go up till next week, but I best basically wrote a piece for PC gamer about how like Diablo used to be metal and it's just not anymore because of all of the like, <laughs> Oh yeah. It's no longer you know, punk rock live service stuff. And like, you right. know, and, and you know, yeah, like not even just that, but like, I have a weird relationship with ARPGs where like the whole, like chasing the numbers thing sort of was never my relationship with that genre. Like, right. Same. Th- the idea that you would have Mephisto on farm where it's like, okay, this is, this was a terrifying character the first time you went through the story. And like, he doesn't even have any meaning anymore. Like he's just a lewd <laughs> pinata. Yeah, I kind yeah. of lament that that's the direction the genre has gone. Not that I'm immune to like the lure of some epic loot, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll let everyone know where to find that article when it goes up. Cause I don't want to just like, you know, restate it <laughs> point for point on the podcast. Um, I do really like, the the art and the story so far in Diablo 4 like if it's if it's going in a direction I don't like it has nothing to do with the writers or the art team they're crushing it mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. I was talking mm-hmm. about just like how cool the enemy animations are in this game like the yeah the vampire like reaver guy with the big sword where he'll like stab you and suck his blood like your blood like goes up his sword and he sucks the blood off of his sword. Oh, that's, that's sick. It's like, yeah. that's so that's, metal. That um, is so metal. That is just yeah. petty. And like the environments are awesome. Um, I, I do really like the combat. I, I tried Druid a little bit and I didn't quite click with it. Uh, so now I'm running a barbarian, which is usually the class I end up maining in Diablo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh yeah, this is a good barbarian. They're not quite as mobile as like the Diablo 3 barbarian, but they are uh they're I'm I'm having quite a bit of fun with like the basic game mechanic stuff. I almost went for rogue, but then I saw oh man, puppies. So I went with uh Druid. But I I do love <laughs> a good dual wielding like I, I find nowadays I always play Dex builds. I, I have no patience for strength builds. Yeah, yeah. I loved Demon Hunter in Diablo 3. That was yeah, nice. I love yeah. Demon Hunter. I'm disappointed Demon Hunter's not back. Right. So I'm I'm trying to think, okay, can I just play a rogue and like build it the way that I used to yeah. play Demon Hunter? Like it's just like backflips and crossbows. Like who doesn't love that? Yeah, well, but... it was awesome. It was perfect. <laughs> and the little the little potions that you could toss too. Like that's Yeah, those were uh, great. Yeah. And so. I ha- I th- I think I had a crow familiar too. Mm. And a wolf and a spider. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, there were a few different ones. I also really like the boss design in this game. I feel like that's kind of where I see the Blizzard difference <laughs> the most yeah. clearly is like you know, for for all of their all of their quirks, like Blizzard gets RPG boss design mm-hmm. on like a level mm-hmm. that I just mm-hmm. really don't think a lot of other developers do. I mean, I've also played 
a, a few hundred hours of Path of Exile, which is nothing in Path of Exile terms, but like just like the random bosses you run into in the world, I just feel like they're so much more interesting and fun to fight than your average boss in in like a Path of Exile or Grim Dawn or any of those other Diablo likes that have come out over the past few years. Where Grim I was like, okay, Dawn. There are still some things that Blizzard is the best at in their field. And this is one of them is like designing good bosses. Mm-hmm. I was kind of thinking that when I saw the opening cinematic, like for my money, Blizzard and Square Enix are two of the best CG, like movie makers. Like, Oh yeah. The, the, yeah. It's insane what yeah. they can do. Yeah. Like by yeah. far, like the most seasoned. If, if Blizzard's anima- animation team just like made like an animation studio, I think they would, just be putting out banger after banger like <laughs> yeah you know I, if yeah I, I i don't even like some of the starcraft expansions like starcraft 2 expansions that happened but the i was it legacy of the void which is the yes. Protoss expansion that intro cutscene yeah. is the most like it's the best starcraft thing that has existed in a <laughs> long time it's so good yeah um, it's it's incredibly hype yeah i love it yeah, and, um, and it's it's something that I do wish Blizzard would lean more into. I mean, well, we've got that Overwatch 2, not PvE PvE that's coming out. Where I I I don't know yeah. if we're going to talk much about this on the podcast, but <laughs> they're they're like charging the battle pass money to play the PvE missions and and get the story cutscenes and all that, and it's a giant tire fire that is making everyone who ever liked Overwatch very sad. Yeah, yeah. Tire fire. I, I think that also like goes to show that people are probably still going to pony up that money because it's Blizzard cinematics. Like they're probably pretty good. So just, uh, it's just, good to hear that Diablo still got that. Just make an Overwatch TV show. It's such it, it's, yeah. it would be such an easy W. Um, <laughs> it would. But yeah, like I love the cutscenes in Diablo four so far. Like I was talking about in this article, uh, how like Diablo one made me feel when I originally played it as like a kid in the nineties. Right, right. And like that cutscene where you first meet Lilith kind of, kind of mm. made me feel that again, you know, like that, like, Oh man, this is scary. This is evil. Maybe I shouldn't be playing this. Like where, you know, the, the priest gets, you the know, priest will get mad. With his, yeah, that with priest his gets own holy up. symbol. Yeah. Yeah. And like the blood splattering on the stained glass. Uh-huh, and it's like, uh-huh. oh, I hope Jesus doesn't see me playing this. Um, <laughs> You're indoors. It doesn't work. You can't see through ceilings. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all true. Good. Yeah. Yeah. We, we all know this. Yeah. That was why the, humanity invented roofs. So it's God in the could rule not book. see them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's all good. So, yeah. Like. This has been a this game's been a long time coming, hasn't it? Just uh, it's uh, certainly gone through its paces, and it seems to have had a really good launch. Unlike uh, Diablo three, which was uh, a, a, to to borrow Eric's term, a tire fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was at launch. I think it eventually got very good, especially after Reaper of Souls. Reaper of Souls, yeah, yeah. Um, that's uh, that's when I started playing, and I played it on the Switch. And it was a great Switch game, and I just remember playing it there oh, for yeah. Christmas. I just went through the whole thing. I said, "That's really good," because. For me, Diablo, like I'm not a huge, huge Diablo fan, but what I do like about it is the single player content and the the story, which, you know, it's kind of a cheesy angel versus demons thing, which is not my style, but it's still fun enough. And the music's always great. Uh, but uh, we're talking about Bl- Activision Blizzard here. And I think I echo some of your worries, Len, even though I haven't played nearly as much as you, that the online, always online aspect is going to creep into this and really kind of rob 
Diablo makes it like that lonely, haunting experience, which probably already happened if if you ask most fans. Yeah. So one question I wanted to raise to you, Len, is that like I felt like Diablo one and two people would replay them because they wanted to just keep playing Diablo. Like that was me with yeah. okay, you, you want to hear the weirdest story of getting into this genre. I had the Lord of the Rings of the Two Towers on the Game Boy Advance, which was just a Diablo knockoff with Lord of the Rings characters. Oh, interesting. It it goes super hard, by the way. It's real good. Or at least my brain thought it was good when I was 12. That era of Lord of the Rings games kind of slapped. Yeah. It did. Yeah. 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 Um, But I would play that game over and over again and unlock a bunch of stuff and get all the extra characters and all that just because I like playing the game, just because I enjoyed playing the game. Uh-huh. It feels like now we are creating systems that don't just want you to replay the game, but they are like designed to replay the game. Like like the idea, it's assumed that you are going to roll new characters, that you are going to do these things. You're going to participate in, in competitive seasons and all that. And that is the expectation of players from the outset. And it, it, does it feel like that's something that has changed or was that always integral to the DNA of Diablo? No, I think it's definitely one of those things where, like, if you had Diablo 2, you know, when it first came out, that might be the only game you would play for, like, a year. Right, right. Because, <laughs> like, yeah. we didn't have the release cycle we had now. We certainly didn't have as many ARPGs as we do now. No, um, unfortunately. So, so yes, on get out. Similar to speedrunning, I think it it's that play style developed out of people just wanting to find more stuff to do in their favorite game. And uh, yeah, it, it always reminds me of that Soren Johnson quote that I love that is given the opportunity players will optimize the fun out of a game. Mm. And that's that's <laughs> I think that has just become so baked into ARPGs now. Like I feel mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Path of Exile is about designing a really broken character and then just lawnmowering your way through maps. Like, it's not actually that fun to play. It's fun to design something that is really ridiculously overpowered. And then you just kind of, like, hold down the left mouse button and just let it go. Diablo has a little bit of a different design perspective than that, which is nice. Like, they they want you to make more decisions in combat, I feel like. Um, which is why I think I enjoy the combat overall more than that. Path of Exile 2 is also doing some of that also so i'll give them credit mm-hmm. but yeah i'm i'm kind of curious eric that <laughs> game boy advanced game you told yeah, me about me with like it. where did it take place like within the fortress or, or anywhere else oh like the two towers yeah um so the way it was set up was it did take place within the story of lord of the rings the two towers so uh depending on which character you started with you'd have different starting points ah, so interesting. like aragorn legolas gimli would all start uh, at the same place, which is basically like the the whole scene where where Boromir dies in Fellowship. Mm, that was like right. where it started for them. So you find a bunch of Uruk High and all that. Um, oh, I did play this. I absolutely played this. Yeah, yeah. Frodo. <laughs> um, Frodo started somewhere similar, but it was in like a different area and with different enemies. But it was like a similar vibe. I for, I think Gandalf. You start in the woods, or maybe you start in Casa Doom. Or maybe you do that in a flashback. I, I I didn't play much Gandalf. I didn't like playing Gandalf. 
his was wild because yeah, you actually fought the Balrog. I remember this now. Oh, yeah. really? My my favorite yeah. character to play was always Aragorn because you could dual wield as Aragorn, yeah. uh, and you could do like just ridiculously OP builds. Uh, and and it was a game where you would like loop your characters. So the whole idea as I was learning at a young age was to like take a character that you have beaten the campaign with. And if you go back in with the same character, you will keep dropping better loot and fighting harder enemies. You would get these things where uh, they actually had really cool ways of each character having abilities. So like my favorite was that Frodo could use the ring because uh, mm. there was a mechanic in this game, the eye of Sauron that whenever you did something that attracted Sauron's attention, it would like be like a, a hostility meter kind of. Yeah. And once it filled up like the map, uh, you would hear this noise and uh, ring rays would, would show up on the map and they were like super hard enemies. They were like, a, it was like a nemesis system almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so nemesis, so like piss Evil. off uh, Sauron basically. Yeah. And Frodo was really good at like taking out high level enemies because you could sneak around and assassinate them, but doing so often required using the ring, which would really just bump that mm-hmm. hostility meter up. Uh, so he was like always redlining it in terms of enemies or, or ring rays showing up and that becoming like a new complication you had to deal with. So a lot of his abilities ended up being like, okay, this will help lower corruption. So you don't have to like worry as much about using the one ring. Right. Really, really inventive, fun game. Cannot recommend it enough for people who like obscure Game Boy Advance games uh, because this was like someone said, hey, what if we did Diablo but Lord of the Rings? And like, yes, that makes a lot of sense. Good job. You get a a pay raise. Like that was the way to uh, kind of do licensed games back in the day. Just rip off another genre and or another game entirely and slap, I don't know, like uh, Aragorn's face on it. and You're you're done for the day. Uh, But actually, a lot of games like that were extremely fun to play. I never played uh, Two Towers, but uh, going back to Diablo for a second, Spyrus in the chat says, I just picked up Diablo 4 on PS5. I immediately ran into rubber banding issues. I haven't gotten too far because I'm troubleshooting that. Len, have you noticed any rubber banding issues? So the the power scaling in this game is currently really bad. Um, mm. Somebody on Reddit actually did the math on it. And every time, so most of the world scales to the monsters to your level. And Basically, what that means is every time you level up, you are effectively getting weaker, Um, especially if you you don't put a skill point into something that directly increases your damage um, until you get gear drops from that new level to get you back up to or above the line you were at before, Mm -hmm. Um, which is really annoying and unsatisfying as you're going through the first time when you get into end game it's not as much of an issue though there is also some item scaling stuff that's a whole separate thing that also sucks but like they're assuming that like okay you're gonna start feeling those power increases when you get to end game but that's that's a long time like i've played a lot of this game already and i'm still only like level 45 on my barbarian (laughs) so like I haven't even gotten into Paragon boards and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Just because there's been a lot of other stuff going on and Zelda keeps pulling me away from it. It must be yeah. interesting to play Zelda and Diablo at the same time. Like, what's that like? It definitely is. Like they're they're so fundamentally different from a design philosophy perspective in terms of a game that wants you to be able to kind of just 
have fun however you want, and a game that really wants you to have fun in a very, very specific way. Mm, right, <laughs> like yeah. It's, they're, they're almost opposite ends of the RPG spectrum um, in, in some ways. Yeah, uh, I guess because you're talking about dungeon yeah. crawling versus open world, ironically, Zelda being one of the first dungeon crawlers, but uh, I wonder what yeah. Diablo Zelda would be like. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool, actually. But yeah. uh, have, have, have you played Necromancer at all? No. Mm-mm. I never played Necromancer classes. <laughs> no, I played uh, I played them in the, the Diablo 3 version, but I haven't played Necromancer yet, and I haven't played uh rogue yet i've played barbarian druid and uh a little bit of sorcerer sorcerer was or wizard it was called in diablo 3 was probably my either my first or second favorite class in (laughs) in diablo 3 but uh, d3 yeah yeah yeah, Yeah. the new this version of the sorcerer i haven't found a build i love yet but that's probably just because i haven't put enough time into it yeah, Mango Ults in the chat was saying earlier how someone found kind of a sorcerer build that was more like the Demon Hunter from 3. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Does it feel like a... Like, you were saying you are kind of conflicted about this game. Does it feel like a worthy successor to Diablo? Or is it kind of like, uh, I'm not sure just yet? I think it's a return to form in some ways and maybe a, you know, a step back in others. I think... So far, I like it better than Diablo three. It's it, it feels kind of more like a sequel to Diablo two than Diablo three did. Uh, I think I was describing it on Twitter as uh, yeah. I said, it's really interesting to see how Diablo one and two had this 90s black metal edgelord occult core thing going on. But they were trying to like market themselves on Satanic Panic. And then Diablo three <laughs> was totally some Chris Metzen ass Bible flavored Dragon Ball Z shit. Hell yeah. It was was very Chris Metzen. Like, I want powerful characters beating the shit out of each other. That is like the essence of Warcraft, Starcraft. It is slamming action figures together. Uh, You as the player character get to be there on the sidelines, cheering them Mm -hmm. on and pumping Mm -hmm. your fist in the air. Um, But it's really about just like these over-the-top pro-wrestling comic book characters like just like, oh, I, I got the ultra mega power now. Oh, well, I got the, <laughs> I got the turbo ultra, ultra. ultimate mega power. And yeah, that's that's how his mind works. And I love that style of thing. But I don't know that it works super well for Diablo. Yeah, D4 is going more back towards the edgelord occult core horror schlock, which I, I noticed. Also love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At the, uh, the, the first of all, you mentioned the, the opening. We were talking about the opening <laughs> cinema. Like that is actually uh, yeah. pretty, you know, a little chill inducing, but yeah, the opening is very grim as well. It's like, oh, there goes mm-hmm. my horse. It's a nice horse, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, when uh, the wolves didn't even stay to eat it, at least eat it, you assholes. Speaking of wolves and stuff like that, uh, there are open world elements to this game and live. Have you tried any of those? Like anything like that? Like the world bosses and, and like the cooperative type yeah, stuff? Or- yeah. 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 Yeah, um, I haven't I haven't really messed around with like the world bosses. I know there's also like the hell tides where like that's like an end game thing where a zone can become infested by powerful enemies and you have to go there to farm resources for like the highest level uh, enchantments and stuff like that. 
Um, I've basically been trying to play it as a single player game. Yeah, <laughs> which is that, how that's I, what I like doing. Yeah, which is how I play every Diablo and even like Path of Exile. I basically just play it as a single player game. They 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 don't seem to want you to do that. They're really trying to pull you into the Diablo ecosystem. Um, the ecosystem. I, I, the multiverse. I I kind of get annoyed every time they remind me that this is like an always online multiplayer. Like it's not just multiplayer. It's it's forced multiplayer. Like I can't. Yeah, I can't turn the multiplayer off, which is is kind of a bummer for me. I had to register a battle.net account. It's like, oh, good. And I was like, you uh, you have one already. It's like, oh, great. What's the password? Oh, I don't know. So, yeah, that was all thing I had to do before. And I'm like just sitting there like, remember when he plugged cartridges into the Nintendo and started I got yeah, Diablo I a, one. I got on a. I believe it was on a floppy disk. It was. It was maybe ah, a, du- a dubious hell floppy. Yeah. Oh, dubious <laughs> floppy disk is the floppy. best. Was that no? Maybe that was one of the first CD games. I'm trying to remember. Was it a bird anybody, CD game? Anybody in chat remembers? Because Warcraft two came on a CD, but Diablo one, me, you know, I think it was actually CD ROM. Now mm-hmm. that I'm now that I'm thinking about the timeline in my head. I just remember exchanging uh, my burned copy of Rent uh, soundtrack for a burnt copy of Master of Ryan 2. <laughs> I, was say, I, I remember when I first discovered uh, what burning CDs was and uh, a certain member of my family maybe came home with like four discs that were Medal of Honor Allied Assault uh, uh, loaded it up on the computer and we were like, yes, yes, finally nice, the future is nice. here. And it's yeah. piracy. My brother actually knew someone who had the had a way of copying SNES cartridges, which was very rare back in the day. But he said, like, yeah, we were playing Mega Man X and Mega Man would just explode when you're we trying to fight Sigma. So we just stopped. So because even back then they had copy protection. I think that was one of them. Mega Man just explodes. Screw the world, I suppose. But uh, Diablo. So how do we feel about it? Do we feel like it's in an, an OK place and it'll probably carry on and this will this will be like, re- re- I was going to say reviled. This will be celebrated for years to come, or is it just kind of a little too, you know, a little a little too blet in a very very busy busy season? I think that if you want to play through it as like a single player dark fantasy RPG, um, and and like tune out all of the battle pass cosmetic mounts. You know, people named Peter Griffin running around Kiovashad. Hey, don't don't blow up my MC like that. All right, you can you can do that, and I think that's probably a worthwhile experience for. You know, I think it's what's it's seventy dollars for the the basic edition. Oh, yeah. let me check. Uh, I don't know if it's a no. $70 in in Canada, it's like yeah. eighty nine ninety nine for the basic for the so, basic and, version. Oh, yeah. Maybe wait. And, Maybe wait a couple years for it to be on sale. Yeah, this is a seventy dollar video game. As as far as like, okay, I have a thousand hours in Diablo two, and I have two thousand hours in Path of Exile. Is this going to be my next like loot chasing? I'm I'm talking about a hypothetical person here. Yeah, if if you are that person and you you want to know like, is this going to be my next like uh, loot pinata dopamine dispenser that I can play for years and years and years? I haven't played enough of the end game to really say yet, um, but I'm not optimistic about all this like battle pass live service yeah. stuff. I'm worried that that's just going to gunk it up. And uh, 
I'll probably finish the story and maybe max out a couple more classes and then I'm going to be done with it. Like, that's kind of what I see happening. We really don't really understand the future of this game either because Activision right now is on such shaky ground with the Microsoft acquisition and everything kind of blowing up in terms of the digital landscape where things are there and gone in an instant. I'm not saying Diablo is going to disappear, but it gives you an idea of how much, how little these things matter anymore. They're just gone in a day i i think my my big thing with diablo is that it's in a different world now than it was even back in the era of diablo 3 exactly Uh, so many more games have battle passes have some amount of like live service continuation post-launch that they all demand your attention in some way i've i've had to eat some crow on this pod because i was like honkai star rail it's a great game and hey i do actually think that game is like a fun game but i've completely dropped it at this point because I can't keep up with the live service. I've got too much other mm-hmm. stuff that I want to play. I've got too much other stuff I want to do. Yeah. And and when it's to the point where I'm even dropping games I like because I can't keep up with their content rollout. Yeah. And Diablo wants to get in on that too. I'm I'm very I guess confused by that prospect because we we talked about it earlier but like Diablo was a game that lived on its own terms for a long time the the way that you saw games like starcraft or or smash melee or stuff like that they they lived on because of the game and now we're in this place where we don't just feel the need to think about a post-launch rollout for a game we feel the need to codify it to gamify it to turn it into a thing that is expected and then players have expectations for that to continue rolling out and i don't know how we break this because corporations love it that's oh, engagement, yeah, right. baby. And and players seem to, despite the way people sometimes groan about battle passes and post-launch support and all that, I still see a lot of people be like, well, I don't know. That game came out three months ago and it hasn't had many updates since. Like, yeah, it just came out. Like, chill. <laughs> we used to have games come out and they would have no updates ever. That was just the game. No. That you, uh, and sometimes yeah. they would have a bug that would break your game if you weren't careful. Yeah. yeah. So so in a world where everybody's live service and everybody's yeah. updating all the time, does Diablo have the same lifespan that Diablo 2 or even Diablo 3 did? I honestly don't know. So I guess we'll find out as the years go on. But I look at things like I think Cyberpunk is actually a very good example of that game came out at a horrific launch um, and then would kind of get new interest as new updates popped. And now that the expansion is coming out and looks really, really good, by the way, people are like, oh, I'm going to play Cyberpunk finally. It's time for me to, to finally play Cyberpunk. And maybe that happens is like a lot of people maybe skip on Diablo right now because they're playing Tears of the Kingdom or they're waiting for Final Fantasy. And then, you know, two years down the line, some big expansion comes for Diablo and they're like, oh, now I'll play it now. Like Reaper of Souls equivalent is here and I will play it now. So this is a new development style. It's called a a Realm Reborning your game. (laughs) Well, I feel like that is what happened with Diablo 3, like especially because there were so many issues at launch that I think a lot of people just, you know, tossed it in the bin and then they hear, oh, yeah, Reaper of Souls, like it's good now. You should you know, come back and check it out. And now I think overall people who gave it another chance have a pretty positive opinion of Diablo three overall. So yeah. Yeah. Word of mouth counts for a a lot in a a game with a long tail, which makes me wonder how really how things are going to go because look at Twitter. It's kind of 
upsy daisy, upside down. I don't know what to, how to even describe it anymore or what follows, but dear God, social media is a mess right now and yeah. word of mouth might not get around as easily as it used can, to. Can I bring this up here? Cause I got nowhere else to yell about it. Of um, course. Yeah. Y'all getting like way more ads on Twitter than you used to. God, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like every, every second fourth an tweet is an ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way it's, more it's ads like, and way more spam. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was yeah. just making sure that wasn't like yeah. me thinking this was weird. Okay, good to know. No, that it it's absolutely bad. choking. Uh, Blue sky, so- baby. See y'all there. Actually, I just got I just got an invite for that. Thank God. So hopefully it becomes a public thing sooner than later because save us, Jack. Save us. No. Anyway, <laughs> the only the only upside of blue skies, I think my dad doesn't know what that is, so I can finally uh, post. There you go. Or oh, wait, my it's not it's not tweet. It's skeet. I can skeet somewhere skeet. where, yeah. where my family skeet. won't see. Go to hell. <laughs> my parents know I'm depraved, so they gave up on me a long time ago. They used to follow my live journal. What a mess! Oh wow, wow. Uh, I'm I'm I I thank the gods every day that my parents don't know how to use Twitter. Uh, if they ever did, I think I would just have to change my name and move to Siberia. That you know, my 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 dad knows what I tweet. I just I, I hit a point where I was like, they know what I do. They know what I say. It's it's better to have understanding. Yeah, wait till they find out about the erotic fan fiction. They haven't yet. <laughs> wait, which which erotic fan fiction? Uh, all of it. You fool! <laughs> that's the decoy vanilla erotic fan fiction. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I'm not. I, I gave you that. Uh, that. Uh, Ao3 account as a smoke screen, so you wouldn't exactly. find the really weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. there you exactly. go. Exactly. They're like, oh my god, look at this <laughs> yeah. erotic fan fiction where two people kiss for like five scenes. I'm like, yeah, oh, oh no, you found that. Oh no, oh. I'm scandalized. They don't know Please about don't tell my Jesus. dragons. Well, <laughs> remember, he can't see you through the ceiling, so just there you go. don't. Especially don't... if it's all lead. Yeah, don't log in. Don't log in your Ao3 on your phone while you're outside. I was gonna say, does the internet count as indoors? Is the internet indoors, or or is it God can see internet if it's outside? The internet is just Gehenna. (laughs) This is just turning into a Shin Megami Tensei game very quickly. This is Um, a very elaborate bit we created. (laughs) There's there's something we should make the three of us make a Shin Megami Tensei game. Holy shit, that'd that'd be be amazing. I actually love. uh, Now we're going on a tangent here, but Shin Megami Tensei. They, I love their variety of demons. They have a couple of, they have a few Jewish demons, actually. If you want to talk about Lilith, which I've talked about on the show mm-hmm, before, mm-hmm. I love the design for Lilith. It actually is canon to the Hebrew depiction of Lilith, like the consort of Samael and, and mm-hmm, all of that. Mm-hmm. And you, the more you look at her, the more you realize she's wrong. Like her fingers are all screwed up. Her toes are all screwed up. She's naked and covered by a tattoo, but that's just animation right there. Uh so that's the kind of demon depiction I actually prefer to Diablo, which is a lot more Western, I am Satan sort of stuff, which was never hugely interesting to me. Well, but yeah, I, I will say I like Lilith's design a lot. I think that's like a very it is cool, good way yeah. of doing that character. Like the first time they showed that character and it was like, oh, here's the flesh cape. And I was like, yes, flesh <laughs> yeah. cape is good. Flesh cape owns. That's real good. Uh, and, sure and yeah, some of the other ones are like, I remember Diablo from Diablo three. I was like, he's just a big dude. He's, he looks like a, um, <laughs> oh, he looks Satan. like a, a Zerg that was left on the cutting room floor. No, no, uh, I, remember Zerg. 
I also just really like that, like the first, like the the first in-game cutscene where you see Lilith in the church and she's yeah talking yeah. about how the church is controlling you and you have to be free to be your true self. And I was like, wait a minute, let's hear her out. Let's hear uh-huh, her. Uh-huh, let her cook. <laughs> let her cook. Hang on, I, I there's I have some, good, some ideas. good stuff here. Yeah, she's maybe. like the church is bad because they won't let you fuck the dragons. I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Oh, the Holy See has a head full of rocks. But yeah, I actually love that scene where, like, uh, she may be sweating blood, but she has some good points. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. I forget who's doing her. Who's doing Lilith's voice again? It's really, really oh, good. I'll look this up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Diablo for Lilith. Oh, God. How do I spell Lilith? V-O. Caroline Faber? I feel like I've heard Carol- that name. Yeah, before. Caroline Faber is the voice actor. I love how it always pulls up like film roles. I'm like, this, this that's not what I'm looking for. Come on now. I don't watch movies. I can't associate with that. I'm actually not finding a lot of any previous like video game work or anything. Oh, interesting. Yeah, she was on The Magician or Merlin and EastEnders, which I haven't oh, seen. Oh, EastEnders, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to watch that. Some Corey so Street. Yeah, done here. It doesn't look like she's in a lot of video games. She's done mostly TV before now. Yeah, I guess that's happening a lot with uh, celebrities doing voices. At least she's really good. So when yeah, you usually would get a celebrity to do a voice, they're like, oh, video game voice. That wizard came from the moon. <laughs> and that's the best you can hope for. But no, she's really, really good. Uh, yeah, I'm enjoying the game so far. I'm not going to have time to go back to it for a while. I desperately need to catch up on 14 because Zelda just sucked away my life. And uh, yeah, that is our Diablo talk, unless either of you want something to say to Mr. Satan before we leave. I haven't played much Diablo yet myself, but uh, it's it's one that I'd like to put some more time into, you know, when we find time in this extremely packed year. Uh, it's a ridiculously packed year. And I think Diablo, I, I'm going to end up being one of those people who is like, I'll wait for like the Reaper of Souls thing and then jump in. So I, I think that'll be when I go really hard on this game. But I, I am glad to some extent that Diablo's back. It's it's nice to have it back. And also, you know, for the people that work at Activision Blizzard, we talked about this last time, but like mm-hmm. that company has had a lot of issues for the people that work there. I'm sure it's a very frustrating experience. And so for them, for the developers who have worked on this thing and gone through all the ups and downs over the last few years, I think having a dub is pretty exciting. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy for them. I happy, yeah, I'm happy. i happy they got a dub. The writers and the art team did just a fantastic job. I have yeah. no complaints like about the story and uh, the level design and, and like the, the look of the world is so, so cool. The enemies, you know, the, the enemy models, the enemy animations, the, the, the animations for the, player classes like that is all excellent in my opinion all right i was going to say we're going to move on to random encounters but i just noticed in the chat cal l changed their name to kitty boy tight hole that's extremely Mm. distracting (laughs) so (laughs) let's move right along to a series of random encounters if you're an athlete you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down after all a team is only as good as its weakest link So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Microsoft says that Arcane is safe after Redfall. Whew. Because that was not a very good situation for anybody involved. <sighs> mm-hmm. Fire Emblem is coming to the GBA. The Fire Emblem that we know as Fire Emblem, if I'm not mistaken. Like the one with, uh, what's his face? Uh, Red hair dude, who's the father of Ella, his wife. Ella Wood. Ella Wood. Ella so Wood. Fire Emblem 7, a.k.a. Fire Emblem on the GBA, is coming to the NSO expansion pass. It's yeah. uh, June 23rd, I believe. This is the game that was brought to the West uh, once uh, Fi- Roy and... Uh, Marth made their debut, their American debut in um, Smash Brothers Melee, or the terrible anime, the Fire Emblem anime. If you watched that as a kid, that was there mm. for some reason. But mm-hmm. uh, I distinctly remember Roy and uh, Marth and like all the "Who are these people?" articles back on the old HTML web. Uh, but now we know very, very well who these characters are, and we know many things about them thanks to things like AO3. Uh, moving on, beware of spoilers because Final Fantasy 16 is out in the wild. I haven't seen any, so uh, hopefully it stays that way. Star Ocean, the second story remasters. There seems to be a leak for that. I'm not a Star Ocean fan, but I'm happy for the Star Ocean fans. Maybe this is the Star Ocean thing. I need to play Star Ocean. The FTC puts a temporary block on the Microsoft Act of Bliss deal. And dear God, can we just say when this is over? We won't, we won't talk about it anymore until someone finally says, okay, we are now officially part of Microsoft because dear God. Or not. That's the thing is it might actually like not happen. It's becoming yeah. like more and more of a reality that like, oh, this might not go through. What a conundrum. Because on one hand, dear God, I am so sick of conglomerates let alone conglomerates this big and terrible and destructive. But at the same time, it might be a huge benefit because dear Bobby Kotick is the problem. He needs to be Uh ejected and no one has the power to do that except for him sitting there like a big smelly asshole saying I'm in charge. So I don't know if Microsoft could could do something about that, buy him off, give him a billion dollars. You know that, um, the uh, skit from Trailer Park Boys, I'm going to give you $10. To, I'm going to give you $100 to fuck off. That's exactly what needs to happen with Kotick. And right. so, so far, no good. So Yeah, I mean, I love, I love Blizzard, and I've been rooting for this, even though I normally hate corporate mergers, because, well, yeah. I don't love Microsoft either. I don't think anybody could do a worse job with a studio like Blizzard than Activision already has. Absolutely. Like That's any, the thing. anything else would be better. Like, you know, Microsoft has let Microsoft let Josh Sawyer make Pentiment. Like, I want yeah, those people yeah. to be in charge of what Blizzard gets to do and not do. No, absolutely. Like, <laughs> yeah. So in this case, I would say, all right, let it happen. If we get some, you know, cool games out of it and people get more security and Microsoft, to their credit, they're the only ones I see out there really, really trying with accessibility. Like having things like a sign language interpreter at E3, or not E3, rather. Uh, they've had them at FanFest and other places I've gone to. And when you open their games, there's a million options for like text-to-speech, this and that, and you know, font, color, size, everything you can imagine. 
Meanwhile, so many games just start you off without subtitles on an opening cinema. They're not exactly good guys, but they're 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 not Satan. They're not Diablo, I suppose. But <laughs> <laughs> PlayStation uh, confirmed for P3 Reload, but no Switch. Well, that's me not playing. Thanks, everyone. I, I'm really really excited for <laughs> P3 Reload, but I, I I've been back and forth on it. I was hoping the Switch version might have it. It, it might still happen. They just haven't announced one yet. Um, so it's, it's on PlayStation, PC, Xbox, but no word of a switch version yet. I yeah, hope I'll, that happens. I hope I'll that play it together. on PC. It would be great to have it on switch also, but, uh, yeah, I got into persona with persona five and it, I mean, I am, I am the absolute me. So you're the like per, the person yeah. who's like persona five changed my life. Persona five, you know, cured my Alzheimer's or whatever. Like that is literally yeah. me. And like, and uh, but everyone's always like, well, Persona 3 is better. And I'm like, all right, well, maybe I'll get around to playing. It yeah, same. Now it looks like I can. So have they said why no switch? Uh, so to be clear, they have not said no switch. They just have announced every platform. But switch. Uh. <laughs> so some people are theorizing that it, that announcement might be being saved for something. Very likely. But right now we have no official confirmation of a switch version yet. That is so strange because it's like the switch right now is a persona machine. Yeah, isn't the Tactica game coming out on Switch yeah, too? Tactica yeah, Tactica is coming to pretty much everything. Yeah, uh, so that would so be yeah, really weird because it's, it's not like it's a game that wouldn't run well on Switch. Like it, it's yeah, not that graphically intensive. So based on a what year did Persona Three come out? Like two thousand uh, early two thousand. I want to say I was still on a forum at that point. Oh, two thousand six. Oh, six. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so God, three and four came out pretty close together because four was 2008, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. Four was also a very big deal. I remember on the message board, I was still there. Uh, I actually started with four. And then at the same time, when five came out, like I started playing five, like for the podcast, actually. So I was kind of playing them like in tandem. And you know, that was an interesting experience. I discovered pretty quickly. I, I love four, but I five just grabbed me a lot harder. I haven't finished R, though, but they've really, really they, I can already tell how many improvements went into R. And I really mm. want to finish it. Stupid hamburger factory, though. Jesus, I hate that dungeon. That's I. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like, I always have to warn people about that. <laughs> this is one of my favorite games of all time. But the fast food the factory dungeon is terrible. I'm sorry. Like Watch out for the, the hamburger dungeons. factory. What the hell are you talking about? What game is this? The the pure the pyramid. <laughs> I think they did make less annoying in Royal. They but did. They, yeah. Pyramid's good. Yeah, I, I love that game. But I genuinely think the dungeons are like. A problem in that game they're a bit like, long they yeah they're they're a bit long and they just take forever to get through i think the only one i actually enjoyed was the cruise ship and even that one was like a little bit longer than it needed to be uh oh and you hear so, the, yeah. the the guy the bad guy's voice shit talking you through the whole thing that's just like but it has that banger music that's like the music so actually when it starts and kind of you know you have that like zoom in on where you are and where it starts and you, that, mm, that that's mm-hmm, the music mm-hmm. drops that's a really cool moment actually that was a real okay we're coming down to the end moment for me yeah sometimes you just wish you can experience the game all over again i guess this is our cue to move on to the summer of Korra. We watched three episodes. We did nine, which is called The Guide. We did 10, which is called A New Spiritual Age, which sounds like something a yogi would say. 
Mm. And for uh, the third episode, we have Night of a Thousand Stars, which is uh, actually as cool as it sounds. So, Eric, I know you're kind of sick right now and you probably don't want to talk a whole lot. I got lot. this. Don't worry. Okay. I got this. Go nuts. Episode nine, Korra needs to get into the spirit world, try to seal the spirit portals, but Tenzin can't do spirit stuff. He feels really bad about that. Spiritually not making it happen. Uh, a lot of stuff about him and Aang and, and you know, Aang was able to go into the spirit world and, and do all that stuff. Tenzin was never able to figure it out. Turns out Jinora has talent for it. I really do feel like in these episodes, we see like some of Aang in in Genora, like they're sure. all, I noticed the, that. Yeah. like yeah. It, it's a really cool thing that they do um also mako and asami are just dating again to quote bolin oh. dude it's been like a week that Cora was gone <laughs> like please please mako not beating the fuck boy allegations out here uh that was awkward it, in episode 10, A New Spiritual Age, Korra and Jinora venture into the spirit world, and we get some last airbender cameos in the form of Wan Shi Tong and Iroh, let's go, yeah. baby. Uh, great, great segment. I love that segment. Just love no, seeing great. Iroh back. It's funny you're talking about, like, it kind of just clicked for me that, like, Tenzin is probably nothing like Aang because he grew up raised by Aang and was just like sick of his goofy shit. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, yeah. everybody kind of ends up being sort of like their parents, but also kind of the opposite of their parents in certain ways. But then that all comes back out with his kids. Like they are all much more like Aang than he is. His, uh, is his goblin I, yeah. child is, is him. Yeah. I, I think that is, we, we talked about it at the beginning of this season, but I think that is, if you talk about the reasons why people don't like book two of Korra, uh-huh. uh, one of them is that a lot of book two of Korra is them going like, hey, Aang might have been a bad dad and yeah. might not have been a good father and might have had some issues. I think a lot of people got upset about that because like, no, that's precious boy Aang. How could he be a bad father? It's like, yeah, good people can be like bad parents. Like that uh-huh. happens. Like that's a thing. It absolutely happens. Yeah. I, I know multiple real world examples of that. Same. Yeah. No, and, same. and hey, maybe that's why I like the series a lot. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, Janora gets kidnapped because Wan Shi Tong once again is a villain. Should have seen that betrayal coming. Uh, and Korra gets blackmailed into opening the portals Ends up having to leave Janora trapped in the spirit world. Oh, and Mako gets arrested. Finally. Someone (laughs) doing the right thing. Someone did Uh, something right. Yeah. Then we go to Night of a Thousand Stars where Bolin, my boy, plays the starring role, saves the president, has the most kick-ass fight on top of the uh, bending arena where he like rips his his, uh, tux arms off and is just like bending entire stacks of earth bending discs. Uh, they have a really good bit where the announcer is in the crowd watching the movie and he's that like yelling funny. like he's doing the announcing. It's very, very fun. Um, we finally see Varric arrested for his war profiteering. Uh, Bolin is a hero and gets the gal. And Mako gets out of jail. Okay, maybe he's learned a lesson. Then Cora shows up, is like, oh, I'm amnesic. I don't remember our fight. Was it a bad fight? And Mako like looks at a zombie and is like, <laughs> No, it wasn't a bad fight. What an idiot. Hey, babe, cementing his all-time fuckboy status. Dictionary definition. Like, oh. Such a painful scene. It really was. I like like Mako a lot. Or Mako, Mako. I I like him a lot. He he sucks. He really sucks. (laughs) He no. needs he needs to be a bad person to get better. 
but boy, watching him be a bad person, I'm just like, oh, oh, man, I, I forgot I, how bad it was in season two. I do like the scene where they go back down. What was the uh, the inventor's the sorry the capitalist's name again? I'm I'm blanking for some reason. The, the who? Varric, yeah. Varric, yeah. I love when they go down to see Varric and he's got like the decked out cell. I built this prison. <laughs> I, built this I, I made this cell. Figured I'd end up in it one day. There's actually, uh, not without, without spoiling too much, there is something very much like that in Ease 9, which is a bonkers ass storyline. But yeah, I love that. Just the, uh, I was going to end up here. I'll help you anyway. What the hell? I knew, <laughs> I knew it was going to be here. Take my warship. I love how his warship is painted like this weird ass like blue and white. It's also named Julie's. Like they're both cold, heartless war machines. I'm like, yeah. hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, Julie yeah. could save the world if she wanted to. It's it's really weird because I feel like going back to book two of Korra, like I'm finding a lot of reasons to like this more than I thought I did. Like like book two specifically, but I'm also being reminded of a lot of the little things that I didn't like about book two that kind of add up. And I do think one of them is that it feels a little aimless as mm-hmm. as a season uh it, it has kind of bounced around a lot when i was i was trying to figure out like okay what have we actually done in the plot it's been a lot of like first four episodes uh introduce the northern water tribe start the civil war unalak the spirit portals and then there's just a lot of like nothing that happens in the middle there's a lot of dancing around there's all the stuff with varic that really feels like it ultimately ends up not going anywhere interesting like i don't mind like filler story that eventually moves the plot forward but it doesn't feel like it was intentional it almost feels like they just needed like Mm. they needed all of them to be doing something and even the ways that they kind of tie in some clever tie-ins like bolin being a mover star and then mako discovers the detonators at the movie set is like a cool way of tying that story back in but I just end up like Cora's story is very just where she needs to be at any given time. Like, like she just shows up in episode nine. She's like, Oh, Hey, by the way, I'm here. And then again, in night of a thousand stars, it's just like, Oh yeah, I came here to show up at the right time to move everybody towards the next plot point. And I was like, man, it's just intends it, it, and, and the family just being off and like on their own thing until Cora shows up. It's like, Hey, the, the main plot has arrived. You're involved in it now. And, <laughs> Well, they're on vacation I, to, to give them some credit. Do I remember right that they weren't sure if they were going to get a second season? Mm-hmm. I, I, that was the long rumor was that yeah. the, the speculation was that season one was thought to be just a one off that they were just uh-huh. going to get like a season to do something. And then once they got more, that was when they started like going, OK, we need to build a world we need to like do more with this and so that's why i think you start seeing characters like president Ryko, like varick uh who kind of build out the world of Korra, like beyond just the bounds of republic city because like it is kind of weird that we we didn't talk much about it but in season one in book one of Korra, we have the like democratically like, like the democratic committee that is running republic city that is run by five people and vote and then start a book two we have a president we have elections and we have moved towards a actual republic Um, yeah and that is not really addressed i think that was just them going like oh hey probably need to codify this a little bit more and then maybe like involve a president of some kind because that will make it easier to do some of the plot things we want to do later on down the road uh 
and I don't dislike, I don't dislike it to be clear, but there's just elements of book two that feel like they're not done with like Cora specifically feels like she's just flitting from, from place to place. And a lot of the story that I like from book two ends up being either completely removed from Cora, like the Bolin stuff, mm. or it's like loosely related to Cora. Like, Oh, we needed Cora to get eaten by a dark spirit and go into a coma so that we could do this cool story about avatar yeah. one and the first avatar. I love those episodes, but it is very like, Oh, uh, yeah, Cora got attacked by a dark spirit out on the seas and is now like on an island and recovering her memories like Kingdom Hearts 2 style. So so we're going to do Avatar 1. You know what it honestly reminds me of is I feel like I've, I, I have sort of the same relationship with this season that I do with season six of Buffy. Mm, where I think mm. like pound for pound, it's one of the weaker seasons, but it's high points are like some of my favorite episodes of the entire series, particularly with like the Avatar one stuff. I know I've talked about on the discord, how much I enjoy that whole arc or like, yeah, I, w- I would say maybe it's one of the weaker seasons of Korra, but it has some of my favorite episodes in it. I really hope that the shining twins survive whatever happens next. Yeah, no, no comment, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think, it's it's been interesting to see how y'all get into book two and, and Nadia, I was gonna check in with you to be like, how are you feeling about Korra at this point? Like we're nearing the end of book two. Generally I'm liking it. It doesn't have as many surprises as Avatar did, so I definitely feel like the world I, I've I've been there, so nothing surprises me as much, but it's still like a good solid story. Uh I find the you're right about season two feeling a bit mixed up, like it's a lot happening at once, at the same time nothing at all. Like there is a lot of just kind of as you said, just faffing around but it's all coming together at the end i don't have any complaints about that my husband who's hasn't seen like any avatar at all like really is really enjoying it like he especially loves varic who i think i said already like he described him as a tony stark just yeah uh, yeah 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 which, Kinda, is, exa- yeah, yeah. which is exactly the kind of personality he loves so yeah <laughs> he's uh he's having a great time he thinks you know he gets to see all the stuff for the first time and i get to explain it to him and that's that's kind of fun i have to say so yeah uh, can you tell us anything about when we'll expect the summary? Because I'm not sure. Oh, the recap episodes? Yeah. So yeah. we're trying to figure that out because we obviously had SGF come up and then some life things that are happening right now behind the scenes that um, have been affecting our recording schedule. So we are going to do book one and book two recaps eventually. TBD. Uh, they will happen we're just having to delay them. And so that's making it feel a bit disjointed that we're kind of continuing. We didn't want to dump the, the season of Cora mm-hmm. or put it on pause uh, for that. So we're just going to keep rolling with the episodes as, as we are supposed to be doing. And then we will go back and do the book recaps later. So the plan right now is sometime in July we're going to get those book recaps out because book one was supposed to be this last month in June. Um, and then book two is, is in July. Uh, and then book three would be August book four September. Uh, so we'll, we'll get there. We just need like a little bit of breathing room to make it happen. And we've had some stuff come up that have, uh, complicated the recording schedule. So they're happening. Don't worry about that. Yeah. It's just, we have a very packed summer, so you will not be, we will not be bereft of, of content. We will certainly have stuff for you and it will be glorious. It's going to be a glorious summer. Hail Diablo. Anyway, that is it for the summer of Korra recap. Oh, one quick question. Eric, what is next? Oh, Nadia, why don't you take us home?
Oh, no, no, or, I'm do you want to about... do the episodes? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, you're closing out season two next. Uh, yeah. Book two ends. So the next three episodes are the last three of, of book two. So that is your next stuff to watch. All right. We're going to have a great time. But for now, I'm going to take you all home to my parlor, to my house, to my basement. I have a very, very nice thing today because it's based on a Twitter comment, which I know that's very ironic. Just said those two things together. But there's a thing, uh, something going around. A, a, a Zoomer, I assume, asked us old people, you know, before you had smartphones, what did you do to settle down before you go to sleep? And it's funny that, you know, there's people out there who can't imagine that kind of past, but it's, it's true. It was, I did not have a smartphone when I went to sleep. So what did I do? I, most of the time, I read a book or I listened to music, which I would use my Walkman, which RIP my batteries, or I would have a an actual boombox that I won in a fishing tournament that I would use to kind of, you know, just park it beside me and listen to it through that. And that's how I, listened, that's how I learned uh, the Phantom of the Opera soundtrack and Tommy soundtrack <laughs> and uh, Use Your Illusions 2, uh, Slippery When Wet, all that good shit. But that boom was box, my- Boombox you won in a fishing tournament? I did actually, yeah. I, wow. Um, that's some Zelda stuff right there. Well, to be to be fair, it was a it was a pond. It was a pond where they you know a, yeah. a, a trout pond. So uh. this was my father's company. He always his company always had the weirdest company outings, but they were always fun. So yeah, we had a fishing tournament, and I caught a whole bunch of trout. I caught the biggest one. And I got a boombox. It's like, why the hell not? It was a great boombox. I ended up fish, but uh, yeah, that's my story about winning trout fishing contest, and also what I did before I went to sleep to topics that went together for some reason uh, len you're like around my age what would you say what would you say yeah i mean i i read until uh I'm, i still like read for many years after this but until the game boy came out which i believe i mm. when i answered this question i described it as it's like a phone but it's just for pokemon i saw oh, that yeah. that was great yeah very true um yeah I, I played a lot of pokemon and then would hide the game boy under my pillow when i was supposed to be sleeping um but, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I had. Did you guys have the bendy book light so you could like read yes, under the, the worm covers light. when it was dark? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. I mean, I yeah. usually just did a flashlight like held against my neck like that, which is probably why I have <laughs> neck problems today. That was a good trick. Yeah. 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 Also, I had I had one for the, specifically for the Game Boy because the original Game Boy Pocket yeah. wasn't backlit. So you needed a light to play Game Boy in the dark, too. That didn't last long, um, thankfully. No, um, was that the Game Boy Color? No, the the first Game Boy Color wasn't backlit. It must have been whatever the one after that was. The SP, the Game Boy Advance SP, yes. was the first backlit system. But yeah, uh, yeah it was the, the first Game Boy Advance was murder on the eyes. I never had one. I got an S. I got an SP eventually. I kind of just, I'll be honest, like emulated everything when I was very, very poor at that point in my life. Oh yeah, so. oh yeah. I I most. I've played probably 10 SNES games emulated for every one that I've actually played on a cartridge. One thing I hated was that my mother sent me to bed really early. And I am not I am not someone who can sleep before like 12 at midnight. Even as a little girl, I was always, okay, here I am. And it's like, okay, can I read? No, you can't read. No, you can't do anything. I would have to do it all in secret. But it's just stupid. I can't. She's an early riser, so I had to suffer for it. Yeah, I think around the time I was in like maybe fifth or sixth grade, 
is when they were kind of okay with like, okay, you're going to go to bed and have your door closed and we're not going to come peeking on you all the time. So yeah, after that, I had more freedom to kind of just do what I wanted. But yeah, I've, I've definitely fallen asleep reading a book before and had to like go back and figure out where I actually remember reading this. <laughs> my father, so. my father used to troll my mother by taking, cause she would, she was an avid reader and she would like, put her book down you know when she get up to do something and my father would pick up her book and move it ahead a couple of pages and we would say to me come on. watch her face watch your mother's face so we'd be sitting there like <clears throat> you know and we'd watch her face and the, the confusion that would dawn slowly over her <laughs> until she just left my dad and said fuck you so they know what they're about but that's pretty because he said backwards uh... it doesn't matter you can't put it backwards because she's gonna know you gotta put it forwards mm, mm. <laughs> Oh, uh, Eric, like, I, I know you're younger than us, but you had like, you, you certainly had a time without smartphones being around regularly, right? Well, so I was I was an avid reader from a young age, like by the time most of the kids in my grade were reading, you know, like the what was it? The the kids in the, the clubhouse and the, the magic tree house. Um, oh, is that the not the trolley cart kids, right? right yeah, right no, now. it's different. Um, by Box the time cartridge. like kids were reading those, I'd already finished like all the Harry Potter books and stuff. Um, Look at you! By the time I was in sixth grade, I was reading A Clockwork Orange, which I should not have read. No, that's not, oh, yeah. that's not a good read, book for a sixth grade. I read uh, 1984 in like sixth or seventh grade. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty same, cool. Same. <laughs> I, I I was just immediately like I wanted to read, I wanted to learn, uh, yeah. especially when they told me that these books were banned in places. I was like, right. I definitely want to read them now. Well, and I always wanted to do what the grown-ups were doing, not what the kids were doing. So yeah, yeah. I just Aww, like like. The kids' books never appealed to me. They never like expanded my horizons. I I just wanted to experience new things and not like get these saccharine like whatever. I I didn't like all the let's go fight the evil together and stuff. I I wanted like more. Uh, anyways, so I I was a reader from a young age, and so that was a lot of my pre bedtime when I was younger. Uh, we did eventually get a TV, and uh, I have fond memories of my brother and I would be watching tv in our room like adult swim on the lowest possible volume (laughs) and we would sometimes like keep an eye out because like the hallway light would be on and so we'd see if like a shadow moved around it and so we'd like really quickly turn off the tv and pretend to be asleep and then our parents would leave and do that whole thing and our parents knew what we were doing but um so that was how i got into like cowboy bebop uh aqua teen hunger force home Mm -hmm. movies like that sort of stuff uh i did not understand home movies when i was a kid i i now find it much funnier uh, no, I never. I was never a fan. Uh, uh, it's, one of the greatest games ever made was that the uh, mini game for uh, one of the WarioWare games, where it's called Gamer, and you have to like hide before your mom finds you uh, gaming. And it's actually, if you want to talk about horror games, that's a horror game. Yeah. Well, like, what, yeah, one of the games we absolutely weren't allowed to play was Grand Theft Auto, and I, uh, I, I torrented yeah. Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Uh, and like, because they never like if I had bought the box, I would have been dead. Like that was a matter of survival. That wasn't even just a matter of being poor. And I would sneak downstairs to the family computer to play it at like one in the morning. Oh, uh, <laughs> everyone sneak was downstairs. Asleep. Did you turn off the? What if you like left the volume way up one day and you forgot and you turn it on at night? Like fuck you. <laughs> like, yeah, that yeah, that would that would have been that would have been uh, that would have been the end of my life. So, um, yeah. <laughs> You asked um, smartphones like smartphones weren't a thing until I was in like high school, Mm. like late high school when they started like coming in. And even then they weren't very popular until I was 
in college. So I did have a phone by like, I think I had a phone by like sixth or seventh grade and I didn't really like heavily use Mm. it until like eighth grade. Um, But in high school, I would definitely like text all the time. I would be up late texting people and stuff. Uh, So that was pretty regular for me. And I also had an MP by the time it was like an actual MP3 player. So it was this, Mm -hmm. it it wasn't an iPod until later. Uh, It was originally this like stick, like, like literally it had a USB thing on the end of it and you would just jam it into the computer and then load songs on yeah. it and then take it yeah. out and that was how i had to learn audio compression so i could put more songs on it than uh it there theoretically should have held uh so That's my, my rage against the machine sounded like ass <laughs> and uh <laughs> yeah so yeah I, I see people be like how did you go to sleep before smartphones i guess that is like nowadays when i'm going to sleep yeah i definitely like will throw on tiktok or put it i i routinely fall asleep to like long youtube video essays and stuff like oh that. yeah i love I, youtube essays yeah, like a yeah. dinosaur essay i love re- hearing about dinosaur essays and stuff like that so it, so it is a little different i guess but not, not that too different. different yeah yeah people just like i don't know something to kind of cool their brain off on and there's a lot of that out there no shortage Trying to sure. think when I got, I think I got my first cell phone when I was 16 and it was like a, it was a slide phone. Mm. Oh, I love it up And it had the keyboard. Yeah. And I think I, I got my first smartphone. I think it was the summer after I graduated high school. Like people did not really like to, to date myself precisely. People did not really have smartphones when I was in high school. Like maybe Same. didn't exist. Because like, when did the iPhone one come out? Was that 2007 or something? It was like like 2007, 2008. I. Yeah. So like right before I graduated. So maybe a couple rich kids had one. There's always the rich kids paving the way. Yeah. But I distinctly remember 2008. I was at my parents' house and my brother was there and he's a real tech head. And we saw an ad for the iPhone. He said, that's going to change the world. And he was absolutely right for better and worse as it were but that will do it for today's acts of the blood god thank you so very much for joining us especially thanks to len our guest and to our stars of destiny who joined us for today's live show and i will read their names right now we have anthrax bees uh kitty boy tight hole cal l we have mango alt sardin and we have spirus bit of a quiet morning this morning i guess you all knew i was hosting this at ew i'm not i'm not going to show or not it's hosting kidding me left Kal-El wanted to point out Kitty Boy Tighthole fan. He is not oh. claiming the mm-hmm. title of Kitty Boy Tighthole. No, only yeah. I can be Kitty Boy <laughs> Kitty Boy. Kitty Boy Tighthole. I am going to trademark that as soon as this show is over. Yeah. If you like this show, and by God, I hope you do, you can find more and support us at patreon.com forward slash bloggodpod. Uh, Len, why don't you tell us where we can find you? Uh, yeah, so that article I'm uh, about uh, Diablo that I was talking about earlier in the show should be going up on PC Gamer. You can find some of my work there. You can find some of it on IGN. And I also host and produce Three Moves Ahead, which we've discussed in the past as all kind of like an unofficial sister podcast to Axe the Plug Cut about uh, yes. tactics and strategy games. Um, there's going to be a big overlap there with Baldur's Gate 3 later in the year. So, uh, Sweet. That's uh, it's gonna be fun times, um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, idlethumbs.net slash three ma is where you can find that. So, 
All right. Awesome. And as for us, we will be back next week with Final Fantasy 16. Kat will not be here, unfortunately. Uh, she had an emergency this week, and I think next week she had scheduled it off anyway. So uh, that happens once in a while. But that's okay. Eric will be hosting. You've had enough of my nonsense. So moving if on I'm then. alive. To the post show, if, if Eric is alive. We are going to move on to the post show. But until then, for uh, Eric, Len, and myself, Nadia, thank you so much for listening, and happy adventure.